right. Uh, I want to give us a new word. It's a new word. I want to give us with this word a revelation. It's a word that we're somewhat familiar with. Some of us don't even like the word. But it's a Bible word. It's a Jesus word. And it has everything to do with where you are right now, I promise you. Now, this word is used nine times in the seven verses we're looking at this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And uh, as I read, you tell me if you can identify the word. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? And they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So who thinks you've identified the word? Okay, what's the word? Discipline. Now, but I want to teach you the word behind the word. The word that was written by the author of Hebrews is the Greek word padeia. Padeia. It means the training of children. It's not just a generic discipline. This is not the word used to go make disciples, to discipline or, or there's other verses, discipline yourself. That's a whole different word. This is, it's not a unique word, but it's a somewhat, um, it, it carries a greater sense of parenting and reparenting, in our case. Reparenting. To the discipline or the reparenting of God. I want to open our eyes to something this morning. It says specifically, don't regard it lightly. Don't minimize it. When you're going through a season of, of, of reparenting or a, a season that may look to you like it's um, a, a, a difficult time, maybe a time of adversity, a time of suffering, a time of testing, when you're, when you're facing the hard times, don't take it lightly because and here's the deal this morning God wants to draw back the curtain of your life so that behind the, the what's in the front of your life which is trial difficulty testing behind that is a story God is is writing and he wants to make himself known to you in the hard time you're facing that's what this is saying. Now, the word that it begins with, verse 5, it says, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? The word exhortation it really means the encouragement. The encouragement that addresses you as sons. This is a word of encouragement. 
The whole book of Hebrews is a word of encouragement. In fact, it says that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of encouragement or exhortation that I have written to you. And what he's referring to is the whole book of Hebrews. The whole book of Hebrews is a word of encouragement. You might remember back in chapter 3 of of Hebrews where it, it says here in verse 13, but encourage one another or exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So you've heard of the one-a-day vitamin. This is the one-a-day encouragement. And encourage one another. Give give each other a -a one-a-day encouragement every day, as long as it's called today. And that's what the book of Hebrews is. It's the one-a-day encouragement. And here we come to a word of encouragement. This padea of God, God reparenting us, Treating us like children in the middle of adversity is like a one-a-day encouragement. God wants to encourage you in the middle of your difficulty right now. And then he quotes from the book of, of Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now, what this does, this this is so powerful. You see, some of us in the house this morning are facing difficulties that are lying to us, telling us that Because we're going through these difficulties, God has forsaken us. Some of us feel forsaken by God because of the trials we're going through. It's based on the the totally messed up thought process that says God blesses good people and he turns his back on bad people. Well, if he did that, none of us would be here. Because we've all been bad people. So don't think the reason why you're blessed is because you're to thank for it. I spent yesterday reading the whole book of Job. I love Job. I love, I love the book. It's actually the first book that we have of the Bible. It's the earliest book written. Job was a contemporary of of Abraham, but Abraham didn't write. It was, it, the story of Abraham's life wasn't written until 500 years later when Moses came along. But one of his contemporaries wrote the book Job. And that, that's why it's the earliest book in our Bible, by a long shot, 500 years. But the, this, this book of Job, it's amazing the bad theology that Job's friends spoke. And basically, the thought behind each of his friends' criticisms of Job. What made his friends so useless to him was the thought, bad things happen to bad people, so Job, the reason you're suffering is you're a bad person. How many of you have faced bad things and have thought, the bad things I'm facing is because I've been a bad person? Can, can I just, get, there's a few of us that are honest enough to say, I mean, th- this is the way our thoughts go. This has happened because I, got, I was bad. I messed up, so this happened to me. I'm getting what I deserve. The whole message of the book of Job is grace works. 
And grace means you don't get what you deserve. You get infinitely better than you deserve. That's grace. And what grace does is it shows you that bad things can happen to good people, but the good God will always redeem the bad circumstances that happen to good people. That's grace. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story in particular of Hebrews. So notice, who does God discipline? Those he loves. And who does he chastise? Those he receives. So there's no sense of rejection here. There's no sense of, well, God is hitting you with the back of his hand. God's turned his back on you. No. The backs, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the backstory of your suffering, let's call it that. Let's call it what it is. You're going through a hard time. It's suffering. The backstory to your suffering is God's a redeemer. And you're suffering not because something that you've done something bad, but you're suffering because God has something good that he is achieving that you may not figure out even in this whole lifetime. You may not figure it out until you're on the other side. But God is going to redeem the situations of your life. Now, there's actually three words used here. So the one that's used nine times is padeia. It's padeia. And it means discipline, but it really means parenting or reparenting. It's the parenting. Don't despise the parenting of God. Don't despise it when he teach, teaches, uh, treats you like a child. You should run toward that. If you want God as your father, don't, don't bellyache when he treats you like you're his child. How can we complain when God's treating us like his child? But there's three words used here. The, the main one, and this is the kind of the, 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 the coverall, is he reparents us. It's the discipline, the padea of God. But then there's two other terms here. There's one mentioned in verse 5, or be weary when reproved by him. Now that's a different word, reproved. It's a particular type of padea. It's a, typical, it's a particular type of reparenting. But it's when he confronts us, when he rebukes us, when he convicts us and calls us to repent that's, the, that's this word. I've got to tell you, <laughs> I used to hate it when God would rebuke me. And then I realized this scripture. He rebukes those he loves. So if I went like a week or two without getting a good stiff rebuke from God, I'd wonder, what's going on? Don't you love me anymore? Have, have you learned to welcome the rebukes of God? I, I had a friend who, who worked for CNN downtown, and then he went up and ran the, the CNN bureau up in Washington, D.C., before CNN went off the rails. But, but he, he, and he's ashamed of what's happened. 
But, but he said to me, he said, Fred, I used to hate it when God convicted me of sin, but now I love it because I know he loves me. I'm just telling you, this is a turning point in your life when you realize that God disciplines those he loves. He treats you as a son, as a daughter. And, and he sometimes might smack you to wake you up, to, to correct you, to, to, to call you to repent, to convict you of sin. Can you welcome this? Can you receive this? If you can receive this, it'll change your life. When you start seeing the backstory behind the curtain of your troubles, that it's God who's loving you in the middle of it. But there's another word. We've looked at two words now. We've got padea, the reparenting, and we've looked at the, the, the reproof or rebuke or conviction of sin, all that. But there's one more word, and it's in verse 6. The Lord disciplines those he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now, you're not going to believe what this word means. I almost feel like I ought to apologize. This word, you're not going to believe this. This word is the same word as scourging or flogging. This is the word used of Jesus when the Romans ripped his back open. That's the word used here of chastisement. I mean, you don't want me to tone this down. This is pretty raw. But, but notice the word that's right there. And chastises, even scourges, not punitively, Every son whom he receives, even the, the deepest, the harshest corrections of God, he never turns his back. It's never punitive. It's never rejecting. Notice the word that sits behind the scourging is receiving. He receives. He sits down next to us. He might smack us sometimes, but it's never with the back of his hand. He might deeply, penetratingly correct us through some difficult times, but he never rejects us. It's always in the context of he only does it when he receives us. And it's in those moments that God most wants to show himself to you. Yeah, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. Now, I'm going to call us this morning to do something that wasn't even in the notes, so to speak. But I'm going I'm to call you this morning before we're done to, to bring to God this morning that area of your life in human terms, it's the worst thing that's happening to you right now. It's the trial. It's the suffering. It's the loss. It's the grief. It's that point that you question God over. 
You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to call you today to bring that area of your life to God and declare that area holy. And to ask God to draw back the curtain so that you can see, maybe for the first time, what he's doing in the middle of your suffering. Because he is, I promise you. I promise you. God loves you. Now, I'm not at all minimizing your suffering. In fact, it says, do not minimize. Don't downplay it. Don't think, well, others are suffering worse than I. No, deal with your suffering. Deal with that area of your life right now that is the biggest trial you're facing. That's the one God wants to show you in the middle of that how much he loves you. This is transformational. This is parenting by God. Now, just to prove it, verse 7 to 9, use the the earthly parent-child relationship as an illustration. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God's treating you as sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't discipline? If you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you're an illegitimate child and not a son. Beside, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Okay, now, if you got your Bible open there, I want you to circle that name, father of spirits. I want you to circle it for a few uh, reasons. For one, it's the only place in the Bible you'll find it. For two, every name of God revealed in the Bible, God wants you to know something about him, otherwise he wouldn't have given you that name. So you ought to circle it for that reason. But in this context, what does this have to do? Well, we're talking about padea. We're talking about parenting and reparenting. We're talking about the love of God shown most clearly in the middle of our, our adversities. And, and in those moments, how does God show himself? He shows himself as the father of spirits. Now, n- notice the S of spirits on both ends. The first S is small case, not capital, and the last S makes it plural. He's not the father of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he is, but that's not what this is talking about. When it talks about the father of spirits, he's talking about the human spirit. And what, where does God parent you? Where does he padea you? He padeas you in your spirit. He's the father of your spirit. When you're born again, what's born again? Your spirit. And hear me, hear me. When you are going through trials... Where do you want to hear God's voice? In your spirit. He will speak to you in your spirit. Now, don't think for a moment that God somehow is going to whip you. This isn't talking about physical whipping. This isn't talking about that that God somehow is going to sit down next to you and and point his finger at your chest and and tell you everything you've been doing wrong. No, what's this talking about? 
It's talking about behind the curtain. On the surface of our lives, we face adversity. We face trials. And in the middle of those trials, God invisibly, invisibly, is reparenting you through the trials of your life. Now, of course, he parents you and reparents you through the good times, but that's not what this is about. It says in particular, there's something particular here about the nearness of God as you are walking through trials that God doesn't want you to miss. And frankly, this very issue is a make it or break it for any Christian. You show me a Christian that doesn't get this, and I'll show you a Christian that goes like this. They've got no direction. And here's the deal. Here's the the bottom line of it. What is this? It's immaturity. The mark of maturity in the book of Hebrews, the mark of maturity is being reparented by God. And doesn't that only make sense? If you're not reparented, you're a spoiled brat. If you complain about everything the Father's doing, you're a spoiled, rotten kid. When you're listening, God, this is tough, but show me yourself. Show me what's really happening. Draw back the curtain. Let me see from your perspective the adversities I'm facing. That's a child now who is under the discipline of the Lord. You see what I'm saying? Under the reparenting of the Lord in your spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And verse 11 talks about the peaceful fruit of righteousness by all who have been trained by it, trained by the voice of God, the Father of spirits, speaking to our spirit, who t- opens up the curtain and shows, gives us the backstory to the adversities that we're facing. We're trained. How many of you want to be trained by God? How many of you want to be reparented by God? How many of you want to know the, the nearness of God and the, as you face trials, as you walk through the hard times? No, today we're going to bring to God and, and, and open up our trials to God. Now there's a danger here and there's a warning. The, this passage moves toward a stiff warning. It's, this is a good one. This is a slap upside the head by God. It's verse 15. It says here, um, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's what we're inviting you to this morning, to obtain the grace of God. Don't think that, that he's turned your back, his back on you just because you're going through adversity. He hasn't obtained the grace of God that is actually more easily accessible to you when you're going through the hard times. But, you, but don't fail to obtain it. And again, obtain is the, that receiving. Receive it, receive it. Embrace it, take it, take hold of it, the grace of God. And if you don't, here's the warning, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it many have become defiled. 
That root of bitterness, notice the, a root is, is down inside. This is a root of bitterness because it's, it's underneath the surface. You don't see it on the surface. You see evidence of it. You see anger, uh, curse words uh, come, curses against people. Um, we badmouth, we, we grumble, complain, we swear. Uh, it comes out. And then, and then it's such an evil root that it defiles, it says. And the, the result is sexual immorality. You get an unclean spirit. You try to salve your, your anger in, in internet pornography and, and you go binging on that as if that's going to get you anywhere. And then you get more angry because you'll never fulfill the, the lusts that are aroused that way. It's just a spiral. It's a root, an evil root. See, this is more than anger at God. This is demon-empowered anger. In case you're not aware of this, here in this house, we have led hundreds of people to get rid of demons in the past year. In case you didn't know that that's been happening. We've we've seen hundreds, hundreds of people set free from evil spirits. And often this is one of the key ones. It's anger at God, bitterness. Bitterness attracts demons like garbage attracts flies. And this demon-empowered anger, which is bitterness, that's the definition of bitterness. It becomes a root that, that wraps itself around and distorts life. It distorts everything in life. You know, our church, um, we started a prayer meeting and then it became a Bible study 50 years ago. And then we started meeting publicly down at uh, Lilburn Middle School. And uh, we were in the cafeteria or auditorium uh, and every Sunday they'd have to set up the chairs and and wheel out the piano. It was an upright piano. And, and one day the, 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 the piano was off. The singing was bad, but the piano was worse. And, and they opened up the lid on the piano and come to find out that some cheesy plant that like a student gave a, a teacher had fallen down into the piano and was growing, like thriving, inside the piano and the roots of the plant wrapped around the the strings of the piano and got it completely out of key. Yes. And every time I come to this root of bitterness, I think of that root because the root of bitterness will grow around the heart strings inside of you and give you discord. Your spirit will never make music. You'll never hear music. Life will stink. It'll be off key for you if you have a bitter spirit. And the key, and, and it happens in some ways more to Christians than non-Christians because they can just blow it off. Well, all, all, there, there's no higher power. It's just this is life, and they can deal with it. But we who know that there's a personal God, it can be worse for us because then why did this happen to me? And bitterness can go deeper. Now, don't think you're exempt. 
This is the deal. And then, and then it gives a negative example of Esau. I'm not going to get into that backstory. That's, another, that's for another day. But basically, he was a guy that made a mistake and he couldn't repent and he was bitter about it. But, but this passage begins with a great example. It's Jesus. Verse 2, Hebrews 12, two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But look at the application. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. See, that's what Jesus did. When, when, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, his, he was, it says he was sweating drops of blood. And what happens it, it, it's, a, it's a physiological thing. Doctors know about it, hemotidrosis. And it's, it's when under extreme stress, in times of war, uh, people sweat blood. It's, 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 you're sweating under such stress that the only way to release the tension, you sweat so quickly, your sweat glands actually explode. And, and, and the capillaries around the sweat turn the sweat pink. It's not like red, dark red blood, but it's a pinkish blood, and that's what Jesus was, was doing. And, and, but the, the, the statement here is, in your struggle, you have not yet resisted. You haven't felt that kind of a stress. But the whole example is, look at Jesus and what he endured, and he encountered the Father's love when he endured suffering, and that is an example for us to encounter the Father's love when we're going through times of suffering. I told you this morning I was going to teach you a new word. We all know discipline, but I don't think too many of us know about paideia. At least not the word and not consciously. The title of the message is the word for you. Reparent me. Can you say that to God today? God, reparent me. Father of my spirit, Reparent me. I want to submit to all the discipline, the reproof, the rebuke, the conviction, even the chastisement. Whatever you want, Lord, I want your best because I want to be near you. I want to know your acceptance, your love, your affection for me. And I want to acknowledge you in the hard times of life. Father, Reparent me, padea me. Teach me the discipline of the Father in the hard times of life in Jesus' name. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that this morning? I want to encourage you to take your hard time today and, and make a choice today. God, I bring to you my hard time. I want to open up to you my hard time. And I want you to come and enter my hard time. I want to sanctify to you my suffering. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand together. Would you stand? We're going to sing uh, King of Glory again. And as we sing, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as we stand all around the room. I want to encourage you. Would you bring your hard time 
to Jesus today and declare, King of glory, come into this area of my life. I, 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 I come under your discipline, Lord. I come under your padea. Open up the curtain and show me the backstory of what makes no sense to me today. If you can come, would you do that now?